Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hi, I'll, I'll be the Scrooge for the day. <laughs> I mean, is that really, uh, that's just like a seasonal spin on your usual persona, right? It, it is, but but I'll, I'll embrace it. I'll embrace it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Snydell. Uh, we also have Bill Graham. Ho, 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 ho. Is that... I, I didn't have anything else. So that's why I, I was expecting you to say ho, ho, ho. But, you know, let's just save that. Let's save that for later in the year, closer to Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And with us today to talk about Happiest Season, the new film that is streaming on Hulu right now, it's Shayna Macy Warner. Bah, humbug. Did that, <laughs> did that work? Yeah, that was perfect. Yes. Oh, my, my okay. house. My heart grew uh, three times. Yes. Yay. So, so we've got like <laughs> should talk to a doctor about that. <laughs> self-described Grinch, Michael Snydell. We've got channeling the ghost of Ebenezer Scrooge, Shayna, and then we have slightly eager gorilla Bill Graham. And I just didn't come in with a persona today. <laughs> you failed. You failed I know. Crazy. I should have. But like, you guys have taken all the Christmas things, unless I want to be Santa Claus, and I don't want to draw those comparisons. You could be the white elephant giver. What do I? How do I do that? I just tell you all that there's presents, and then make you fight for them. Yes. <laughs> all right. Great. I, I see you as the stop motion yeti. I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, oh. I, that's, that's good by me. Um, I am Santa Claus, but I am Tin Allen's Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, no. <laughs> this the Santa Claus. That's going to be our classic review this year, right? The Santa Claus. Yeah. Man, I, I watched that recently. You know, he, he really, really leans into scumbag Santa Claus. It's Tim Allen's career. Like, I, I was talking about this with someone <laughs> recently. He has, like, a dozen movies that are about how terrible Tim Allen is. <laughs> like, yeah, legitimately. Yeah. Um, I will say that the Santa Claus is like weirdly one of the movies that my family and I watch together every year. It's it's all right. It's it's, not it's one of Erica's <laughs> Erica's favorites. It's good. It's a good. I, I enjoy the movie. It's like my family's specific like personal Christmas thing outside of the usual canon. And it's also the movie that, like, as I grew up, I was like, wait a second. Every movie about parents not believing in Santa Claus makes no goddamn sense. Because where do they think these presents come from? <laughs> well, that's that's the Christmas miracle, right? Yeah. I, they just are, yeah. like, just not communicating and just assume that the other spouse bought something. Or, like, should, we, should we run a spoiler alert on this episode? Uh, oh, for no. the Santa Claus? <laughs> no, for Santa Claus in general. Oh, uh, yeah. No, we say fuck a lot, and I feel like children shouldn't be listening to this. So, I agree. <laughs> spoilers for Santa Claus. Oh, thank uh, goodness. Yeah, spoilers <clears throat> for uh, you know. Hopefully, you've learned by now if you're listening to this podcast. Some really sheltered 13-year-old just dropped their iPhone. Anyway. I mean, some of us had a home court advantage. It's okay. Santa, Santa will buy them a new one. 
<laughs> if you if you grew up like I did, Jewish and not seeing any of these movies, you already knew what the other kids didn't know. You're like born with that spoiler alert. So giving it to them now is very generous. D- does someone tell you that? Like, what what, what is that? I I'm trying to wrap my head around what that what that even means. What that experience is like. I, yeah. I cannot recall a time when I did not know that Santa was not real. Is it like, do your parents just sit you gift. down at like five years old and be like, all right, listen, <laughs> so all, the, all the Gentiles <laughs> are going to start talking about some gift giving demon called Santa Claus. <laughs> I, I think you just know it's this. This is one of my inherited traits. I would say that's what Lador Vador generation to generation. Each child gets this gift of knowing Santa Claus fake. So yeah, it's it's like the Jungian just hive mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's, boy. it's very important. Is there any holiday movie tradition? You know, obviously besides Uncut Gems at this point. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, you know what? There is the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Okay. Which is very important. Although I I do prefer the the Rugrats Passover special as my. Um, emblematic TV moment for for all Jewish children, American yeah. Jewish children. I, I did not realize Rugrats was Jewish. The, oh, I think yeah. his, his mom is Jewish, right? Is Tommy, is Tommy's family. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do remember seeing uh, what is it? The, the Star of David. Is that what? Am I messing that up real bad? No, no that's right. It. Yeah, I, I nailed it. Fucking <laughs> what? <laughs> It's a Christmas miracle or a Jewish miracle. I don't know how to do this. Um, it's a mitzvah. Anyway. It's a mitzvah. There you okay. go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I remember seeing that in that cartoon that I've watched maybe 15 minutes of total. My, <laughs> I, so, I, I'm not a Nicktoon <clears throat> person. So, yeah, I watched Scooby-Doo instead. So I remember <laughs> as a child, like, seeing the, the, the holiday specials for the Rugrats. And, like, it always kind of, str- even as a child, I was like, it's kind of interesting that for the Jewish ones, they like really go into like the Old Testament story and like Tommy Pickles is Moses, you know, but like for the Christmas one, they're just like, I don't know, fucking Santa and presents and shit. <laughs> not even good. Is, like, is there anything else to it? See, I don't know. Cause I grew up watching the Rugrats. The whole Jesus thing. But like, oh, <laughs> right. isn't, isn't this also like a, a reclaimed pagan tradition as well? Just kind of like, like, I mean, Halloween's a bad example because, you know, there's devils and shit like that. But uh, yeah, isn't is this another like, a lot reclaimed of, So I'm so tradition? happy that uh, while we talk about the happiest season, we're just going to do a 20 minute primer on the history <laughs> of Christianity, um, overtaking pagan celebrations and then adapting them into Christian celebrations. Okay, to make... don't act like you didn't want to talk about this, Brian. You are completely sincere right now. No, if this oh, is yeah. the rest of the episode, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, no, they did that for, like, everything. Like, like uh, Sawain was, like, the Gaelic, like, end of harvest, like, maybe involved child sacrifice yes. festival, and that got turned into Halloween. Um, although, although I think most... Uh, most, I guess, evangelical. I, I don't know how to phrase that, but uh, a lot of uh, people that practice the religious faith of Christianity uh, shy away from Halloween. Just well, what's general. crazy, and I actually had a conversation with someone about this. Um, apologies if uh, I don't remember who you are, but like you're like the whole 
principle of dressing as something scary was to scare away like bad spirits on the day when the veil between the living and the dead was the thinnest. Mm-hmm. So like the entire point of dressing like witches and pirates and shit, if you really want to get down to it, is like to scare away Beelzebub, you know, <laughs> to keep him out your door. Um, so it's always weird to me when evangelicals are like, it's devil worship, but it's like, no, it's devil repellent, madam. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're cl- clearly misinterpreting the holiday, even at its like base form. But yes. yeah. Anyway, it's we have now talked pirates. about the uh, spirit and meaning of Christmas more than happiest season did. Um, and that again is the reason we're here, uh, before, before we get into that, uh, Shana, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? <laughs> Yes, I would love to. Um, I, I'm really glad that I got to introduce myself like right out of the canon with the like, hi, I'm your friendly Jewish critic. Um, but that's not all that I am. <laughs> um, so I'm Shannon Macy Warner, and I am a film programmer and a writer and preservationist. And um, I also love talking about anything queer media representation. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's always a shock when uh, anyone agrees to be on this podcast, but we are so happy that it keeps happening. And uh, yeah, before we get into the review and everything, the usual stuff, uh, Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, The Filmstage Show, podcast, filmstage.com. If you have longer thoughts that you need to email to us, give us a comment or reading on iTunes, go to patreon.com slash the Filmstage Show to give us your money. Become part of our Slack channel where a bunch of nerds mix it up all the time to talk about things that in the grand scheme of thing probably don't matter but it helps to distract us from the bleak world outside of our doors and of course we are brought to you by movie the streaming service where every day they introduce a brand new film for you to watch and enjoy it could be a timeless classic a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece uh movies from around the world whether you've heard of them before or not it's guaranteed to be something that you're going to love the newest short work by Yorgos Lanthimos, Nimic, is now on the platform. Uh, we also have Overseas. <clears throat> From Errol Morris to the act of killing, cinema often uses reenactments to conjure the past. Jung Sung Ah goes further, observing Filipino women role-playing in anticipation of what awaits them. Revealing how fear is rooted in historical trauma, Overseas is a triumph of empathy, dignity, and sisterhood. So if you would like to check out that and the many, many, many other great movies that are on Mubi, uh, but you're a little cash-strapped because it's gift-given season, you're in luck. You get a free 30-day trial of Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi. So check it out. And that's that. Uh, We are now free to talk about happiest season uh this film streaming on hulu right now is uh written and directed by clea duvall and is co-written by mary holland who also is one of the co-stars this movie also stars Kristen stewart mackenzie davis mary steenburgen victor garber and uh, a bevy of other talented comedic presences and um I don't have to say anymore because the trailer does a very good job of laying out the premise and here it is. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I get to go meet the people that made my favorite person. I'll always take December away over. 
the summer. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I don't want to marry her. What are you doing on your phone? I left a gentleman alone in my apartment, so I'm tracking him to make sure he leaves. You're tracking him? Yeah, I track everybody. If the NSA can do it, so can I. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm finally going to meet everyone. There's something that we should talk about. I didn't tell my parents I'm gay. So who do they think I am? This is Harper's orphan friend, Abby. Yes, of course. They're there. All right. So that is the trailer for Happiest Season, as I said, playing on Hulu right now. Um, so check it out uh, if you have Hulu. Um, before we get into it, uh, the usual stuff. We will begin with our spoiler-free section before moving into our spoiler-filled section. And uh, yeah, so let's give our nutshell thoughts on happiest season. Can and we you begin sing the rest of this episode, Brian. What was just that? like that that brief bit where you started singing for a second? I want that for the rest of the episode. Did I start singing? A, 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 a tiny bit for a couple syllables. When I said when I said what? <laughs> I don't know. Sing it back to me. No, no I'm good. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Good <laughs> trap. Good trap. <laughs> Anyway, Shana, would you like to tell us your thoughts on Happiest Season? La 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 la. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, um, my basic spoiler-free thoughts are that uh, this has accomplished something that very few movies has, which is that it got me to watch a Christmas film. Um, so, big thumbs up for that. And the nutshell thoughts are that. There were some really wonderful and compelling performances, some pieces of the film that I enjoyed a lot. However, I think it tried to mash two genres together in a way that ultimately came off as unsatisfying and really frustrating. All right. Excellent. Bill Graham. Yeah, I can kind of echo those sentiments exactly. Um, I just initial impressions. I actually kind of liked this movie, um, but there are definitely some issues. Uh, you probably heard it in the trailer that I'll have an issue with uh, when, which is uh, people constantly saying they are my person. I f- want to fucking gag myself uh, every time I hear that. Now uh, it's very annoying. But uh, besides that, um, yeah, I think. I think there are some compelling performances in here. I think uh, Daniel Levy uh, should just be in everything forever. Um, he is great and wonderful throughout. Um, I, I think Kristen Stewart is really, really good in this. Um, and yeah, I I found it a little frustrating at times. But uh, overall, I kind of enjoyed this as a sloppy, um, if half-hearted uh Christmas movie that maybe I might watch with my fiance. So, yeah. All right. Michael Snydell. So <clears throat> Christmas movies are already a tough proposition for me, uh, mainly because I, I still have flashbacks to the family stone. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was, this was pretty bad, but I think it's an incredibly interesting and, uh, I, I can't remember whether we said this on Mike or anything. This thing caused a nerve online. <laughs> Let's put it that way. People were really mad about this movie for reasons we can get into. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I have many 
many questions about the plot of this movie and, and why very few of the characters in this family uh, act, act like humans uh, <laughs> and, and why they fixate on orphans. And uh, th- there are just many, like, be- this movie's predicated on behavior <laughs> by a number of characters that is uh, is baffling. Uh, I will say, despite all that, Kristen Stewart's really good. Uh, another actress we haven't mentioned who gets into spoiler territory is really good. Uh, this is weird because this is very much like a, a genre that exists in the sense that, like, you know, this kind of neat, um, like, mainstream um, queer cinema, like, exists. There's so many independent films like this that are specifically, like, heartwarming things about either being closeted or uh, potentially homophobic families. And it's it's interesting because this is, like, this is going to get a much bigger audience than, say, something like Jenny's Wedding from, from last year with uh, Alexis Bledel and Catherine Heigl, which, which seems like it's also going for a similar lane. But, like, Kristen Stewart and this cast and being on Hulu, uh, this has a profile that a lot of these movies don't get. So it's really interesting to see how it's kind of handling a lot of these ideas that have been explored in things that are sunny and not quite so heartwarming. I mean, there's, like, a number of scenes that... um, for some reason, there were two conversion camp movies, for instance, last last year. Is Boy Erased last year? Am I losing my mind? Is I, that last year? 2018? Um, no, that was that was a while ago, wasn't it? What, what is last year? What, what does that last even Last year was dis- 2019. Boy Erased was 2018, this says. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> like, Boy Erased and Miseducation of Cameron Post. And it, it's it's just interesting because... Uh, these type of movies, we don't get that much. And I think there's a lot that can be mined from either making this really fun or actually saying something about homophobia. And I think it fails at at both. Um, But I think it's kind of fascinating to think about. And it's, I think, all the weirder that there are a few moments that, like, really strike as true in something that other... Uh, mostly rather feels very false to me and uh maybe it's also your mileage may vary because i generally really don't like christmas movies uh but yeah i i think there's a lot of weird stuff here and it's it's just extrapolated by how many people watch this which seems like a lot um I'm I'm in a I'm in a unique position that I have no idea what all this internet furor is about, so uh, I get to skip over that. I um I watched this movie on my laptop uh, while at the distillery, um, pausing occasionally to interact with customers. And there's a part of it that feels like that is like the perfect framework in which to watch this movie. It has like a very light, frothy kind of energy to it and and honestly like when i finished watching it i was like oh that was pretty good and i even like told a friend of mine that they should watch it um 
especially because she is apparently a fan of of Dan Levy. Levy? Mm-hmm. Levy. Mm-hmm. Levy. And so I was like, yeah, he's like the best part of it. Like, I loved him in it. And I like, you know, I I said it's like it's it's an inoffensive, which is crazy that it's like we're finally at a point where you could call any movie that has a, a gay couple in it inoffensive. Um, like unchallenging, just like it's just so like it was so nice. And then like the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I don't know how much of this actually made sense. And then my friend watched it and we actually talked about it last night. And the more we talked about it, the more it like crystallized to how many like glaring problems there were in the movie, um, which I'm sure we will get into. Um, but like it's it's I don't like I have a hard time believing that anyone would get straight up like angry about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing is like, I don't know. Like, I just I finished watching. Yeah, it I, don't, I, like, I don't know about this either. So, <laughs> so I'm super I'm excited to learn because in my mind, I'm like. That is exactly the type of like nonsense, mediocre holiday rom com that we've been shoveling to like overserved white heterosexual demographics for like yes. 40 to 50 years. Um, and it's just, you know, it was like, yeah, it's fine. And then, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of problems. I actually was really nervous about coming on this podcast because I was worried that everyone was going to like it. And I was just going to have to be like, yeah, it was fine. But what about this? And I would come off really negative as I often do during movies that I'm like C plus B minus on. And so the only interesting things that I have to add are like all the weird negative things that I noticed. Mm-hmm. But it's More not going to be that. stories about Krampus. Yeah, oh God, I hated Krampus. Um, you also remembered that I was on this podcast. And then you're like, oh, never mind. I'll be fine. Well, yeah, because I, I don't I literally like literally I said before we started recording, like I thought this would be like a 15 minute podcast where we're all just like, yeah, yeah, yeah like there's, no. there was like we, a funny we got part some stuff to talk about, but apparently yeah. we have stuff to talk about and I don't know what it is. So I'm going to have to like seed hosting duties to Michael at some point. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but yeah, like to my mind, like this is, I hope again, you brought notes, Michael. Yeah, Michael's got to come with articles and tweets and, you know, really uh, do his homework. I got a list. I was going over with Shayna a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. I'm legitimately happy that this is happening. Because, again, like, I guess, you know, I I may have come off a little scattered. My basic thoughts were like, oh, that was nice. And it has been evaporating from my brain and like the, the glaring flaws of it, like on a narrative level have been cropping up, but I kind of am like, but it's so, it's such a minor, frothy, light touch, unchallenging work that like, sure, why wouldn't it just do all those things that are completely against logic? Because that makes the kind of holiday movie that people want. I need an exact food equivalent, Brian, or drink equivalent. Um, how about like a decaf? frappuccino with whipped cream it's mostly sugar <laughs> and you you finish wow. it and, and you're just no like point? what was that it's definitely like vanilla bean yeah because like no because like vanilla let's, bean let's is like not, whoa 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 let's not slander vanilla bean on no no <laughs> vanilla bean like... is it's delicious it's also very very white <laughs> well here so my i think if i were to go for like an ice cream flavor it would be one of those really crazy ones like 
cotton candy explosion at the like cupcake factory where you're just like taking a bite. You're like, oh, this is ridiculous and too much. And also I can't finish this and I don't taste anything because it's just like pure sugar. And they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could do this. They didn't stop to think if they should do this. Sure. Like, it, it's, it's, it's the rainbow uh, uh, unicorn drink from from Starbucks. Oh, God. The, the unicorn. Yeah. What was that? I have it was no like idea, the unicorn frappuccino was, or something. Yeah, it was definitely a thing. And uh, it had all the colors. And apparently people were like this. Thing and the baristas hated awful. making it. Yeah. Did I even did I? I think I've said this on the podcast. My my ex-wife worked at Starbucks during the point of the unicorn frappuccino or whatever. And apparently <laughs> Starbucks started making little pins that were like 419 or whatever, like never forget. And I, I, she told me about that, and I was like, uh, "You might want to rethink that your corporate office because um, that's the same day as uh, Waco <laughs> and the Oklahoma City bombing." Nice. And uh, oh, no. like a couple days later, the pins were gone, and I've never been able to find any evidence of them having existed. So, so that's they're good. on eBay. <laughs> so anyway, Michael demanded a food metaphor, and I think it only served to yeah. confuse things. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I like we'll that. get into it. Like again, I again, I thought this movie was like a C plus B minus, maybe a C. I don't know. Like I saw it, I was not unhappy that I saw it, and then I like immediately started to forget about it. But I'm excited to talk more about it. Um, I'm assuming that every issue that someone has with this that we're gonna have to 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 cut through is spoiler related. I just feel like we we don't need to fucking beat around the bush and let's just jo- go ahead and jump into spoilers because either spoilers. yeah I mean, I mean like seriously like it, it, nobody's signing up to for Hulu to get this so you either have Hulu or you don't so I mean our market there is already kind so of so you're shattered. saying we have no financial obligation to our listeners to tell them whether or not they should see this because they probably already have Hulu and it will cost them nothing. I, I don't know. I, I, That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you need incentive to see this, all this weekend, apparently all this chatter has been enough. So uh, go fucking see it if you want to. Like it's <laughs> it's inoffensive. It's fun. Uh, maybe. We but here's find the thing, Bill. You and I both said it's offensive. You and I both said it's inoffensive, but apparently that might not be true. So like, and, and that's, that's that's what my preface was yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. So maybe well, maybe you want to join in to the controversy and wade in with your own uh, more than likely heterosexual uh, thoughts. I yeah, was knowing just our say, though, it's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny to me because I totally could see uh, people actually getting Hulu for this one thing, given the uh, the number of ostensibly straight women I've known <laughs> who realize they might like women based on Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. <laughs> I could see quite a few people uh, saying, I, I'm going to do a trial. I, I feel like <laughs> if you've gotten through like the Handmaid's Tale, your like fever and all the other things on Hulu, like, and you still haven't bought it. I st- even if you are like an emergent bisexual, like, I just don't think that this is the one that's going to get you. No, that, that's fair. I just wanted to make that joke. <laughs> um, so yeah, Michael, you were about to say, do you, do you or, or even, you know, now we know that Bill's thoughts are we should just run ahead. Uh, Shane or Michael, do you think there's anything to talk about in the non-spoiler section about this? I, I just want to contest and say that if anyone has not already seen it and is feeling 
uh, a kind of lack of, of uh, queer community, this is your perfect ticket uh, to the discourse <laughs> online. <laughs> so I, that's my advertisement for it. There's, there's much to talk about because I watched this and then I, I even watched it. I feel like a little late, which is ridiculous because I watched it the day it came out. But <laughs> that's, before, that's the fucking way it works now. <laughs> it's how it works because that's before amazing. I watched it, suddenly all I saw was happiest season takes and thoughts. So mm. I, well, this is, I mean, I knew this before coming on this podcast, but um, uh, Bill and Brian talking about it, I was like, oh, so you're, you're not on lesbian Twitter, are you? <laughs> well, um, that's the thing though. <laughs> is that, like, I, I am, <laughs> I'm on a lot of Twitters <laughs> and I have seen a lot of Twitters. Yeah. I, I, I'm in a lot of places. Like I've, I'm realized that like a lot of my Twitter is like the weird democratic socialist twitter and then i've got a bunch of uh weird japan like what do they call themselves like weebs like weeb twitter and i've seen a lot of going somewhere else but okay no yeah i don't know like i'm not in lesbian twitter but a lot of my friends and mutuals on twitter are a part of that and so usually i get some like I can't blowback. think of the word. Not blowback. I was going to say splashback, but just like I get some of it just through like their retweets and I see them commenting on things. And I'm like, so I get like a glimpse, you know, I'm not embedded, but like my issue is I was extremely busy between Thanksgiving and some Christmas stuff and then the distillery and then like just work that I realized I was like the the one thing I did on Twitter this weekend was try to help Michael figure out what laptop to buy. <laughs> That was very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I just was going on. Okay. The, the other thing is also that, like, I don't know when the discourse around Happiest Season started, but like, it's possible that by the time I was looking on Saturday or Sunday, it was already over. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. It's oh, it's still going where I am. So it's it's like a, a time zone. It's like a, a straight to queer <laughs> time zone whenever there's a, a gay movie that comes out. Like, you have to give us at least, like, three more months, I think. (laughs) Well, that's funny that you said that, because, like, I do remember seeing, like, people already having opinions about this movie. And they were always the cryptic, like, not saying what the movie was, Mm -hmm. but, like, kind of doing the aloof, I'm above it all thing. And so I was like, they can't be talking about Happiest Season. It's not even out yet. Well, this is this is the kind of movie that makes me really excited to listen to Linoleum Knife and and see what what they think about this. So, I don't know if you know who that is. You can't is it? plug another podcast. What do you? Oh think yeah, it? hell yeah, I can. I do it all this time. is the type of movie that makes me excited to listen to the film stage <laughs> <A> show. <different laughs> okay, so. So so yeah, is there anything to say before we just jump into spoilers? I mean, no. Cool. That works for me. <laughs> um I, yeah, All right, cool. Let's just do it then. We're hopping into spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, hey, I, I I don't understand people who listen to podcasts about movies that haven't seen the movie yet. So what are you doing here? Um but it's on Hulu or you can just listen to us dissect the uh the the discourse. I also love when you you said like if you wanted like an introductory ticket to the discourse, <laughs> it's like if you've never had to be a part of the discourse, why would you want to be there? <laughs> it's so nice to not be in the discourse. Like, don't walk up to the teller and say one ticket to the discourse, please. 
Listen, I miss people yelling in person, so <laughs> maybe somebody else feels the same way. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like going to a Gallagher show and being in the first three rows. <laughs> oh, yeah, were you even down. were you even there if you didn't get you didn't get uh, splattered by some watermelon? I, I think Gallagher was super canceled, so maybe I shouldn't use that comparison. But... Why? Because he started hitting water i don't even you know what doesn't like matter let's move on something we've I, got I a, don't know. we've got enough controversies yeah, apparently enough. to plow through without trying to figure out why gallagher was canceled <laughs> so michael snydell um <clears throat> i don't know hit me with some hit me with some discourse what's what's going on um i mean sheena do you do you want to do this instead i i don't know how i became the figurehead of this as a because you are a standing co-host and you brought it up and you said you had a list no, I had a list of other movies that reminded me of. Oh, uh, that's, well, that's disappointing. Yeah, no, that's I, I have my usual notes as well. Uh, okay, here's here's what the general. Uh, Chana, please correct me if you think. I would say the predominant discourse is Kristen Stewart should have sent, ended up with Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I f- I felt that fucking sexual energy all the time. Yeah. Okay. But here's it my- wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. A big part, I think, of of this conversation is not only that Riley, Aubrey Plaza's character, is is so much more interesting and and just from the like few minutes that we see her interact, it's also that Mackenzie Davis's character, Harper, is so unlikable and so shitty to her lover and is is not protecting Kristen Stewart from her family and is instead subjecting her to the horror of what she knew was going to happen. Yes. So it's like, it could have been somebody else. It didn't have to be Aubrey Plaza. Um, although that, you know, didn't make a great uh, argument for Harper anyway, but it could have been anyone else who showed like a shred more of decency toward Kristen Stewart's character. Yeah. I mean, it- Definitely, Mackenzie Davis's character is is a real shitbag throughout this entire movie and <laughs> until the end, and tries to redeem herself in in the worst possible way. Um, yeah, I I don't disagree there. Um, I think I think these movies though are predicated on laying so much groundwork against the main character that like you're supposed to still root for them in some capacity. Well, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would go against that. So like when I'm watching this movie, the, the opening scene where they're like doing the candy cane lane stroll and then they have their, their like breakfast together and Kristen Stewart's going and getting the ring. I was like, Oh, this is going to be like a cute movie about them having to sneak around and like the power of Christmas to like, and then you the know, reindeer BDSM thing happened, and you're like, I, I don't know what's happening here. I was just willing to forget about that, and in fact, I had until you just said that. Um, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that was a highlight. Yeah. Highlight so, of the highlight. movie. Early so, like, highlight. I'm expecting, like, oh, it's going to be, like, a weird comedy of manners, like, almost like an episode of Frasier or something, and, like, the, the spirit of Christmas is going to make them open up and tell the family or whatever. And then as soon as they get in that car, Mackenzie Davis turns into (laughs) the world's worst human and is so instantly detestable 
that I started, this is where like my brain started to break. Cause I was like thinking about the movie and I was like, yeah, she's kind of a shit. And then I was like, why is she so excited about Christmas? It seems like it sucks. Like it doesn't <laughs> seem like she's ever enjoyed it. Also, wasn't she supposed to spend the whole time trying to get Kristen Stewart to love Christmas? Like what happened to that? Why did I constantly forget that this was even taking place during Christmas? <laughs> Because there's there's that awkward exchange with her mom when she's like, I'm not going to let or force two grown women to sleep in the same bedroom together. I was like, wait, this was your your big like sexual fantasy was like waking up next to your your girlfriend. And you didn't think this you didn't think this through that your mom was just going to be okay with two (laughs) heterosexual women sleeping in the same (laughs) same fucking room like i was in in, in the same bed like that bed i know i know that bed's not big enough for two people like i know you have to snuggle right that's maybe a full it's not even a queen yeah, it's well, like, that's and that's like, kind what, of the, what the fuck is this plan? That's like, kind this... of the issue is that she initially is like this giggly, rebellious, like happy. Oh, I just love Christmas so much, and like it's as though they abandon that character. Like she, she is a weird one of those like weird alternate personality superheroes, and she only is like that in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and the second she gets out of the city limits, also, why did she wait until they were in the car on a country road to tell? Okay. There's just so much wrong with it. And I just am like, yeah, I, I understand now hearing that. Because even my friend who I talked uh, about this movie with was like, so, uh, like, really upset that she's stuck with Harper because Harper fucking sucks. So she waited until they were in the car, right? Already driving, like, presumably three quarters of the way there. Yes. Also waited the three months or however long it was to lie to her girlfriend about having come out to her parents. Mm-hmm. That was a and long ass time. Well, that's the, that's the other, like I'm, I'm all about, you know, come out in your own time. Don't let anyone force you, blah, blah, blah. But like, why would you lie about doing it? Like, what is, what is Kristen Stewart gain from, from believing that you did it? Like she would probably be very well, super uh, understanding if, if you, definitely... if you told her, like, I can't do it. My family scares the shit out of me. I mean, Mackenzie Davis definitely gained the near chance that she was going to get proposed to that weekend. So that's that's kind of what she gained. Well, okay, but like then that's just a whole other problem because now you've got like a fiance and you have to tell her like, oh, my parents don't know I'm out. So you've either got to say no or then you've got to have the awkward conversation anyway. I think that it's interesting that people immediately are like or apparently she should be with Aubrey Plaza because I don't. Like, none of the characters here have a lot of specifics about them. Um, so I don't, I don't know that they're compatible at all. They're just the two people who are nice to each other in a movie of people acting and behaving monstrously. Oh, yeah. They were super supportive for each other, which was really lovely. And they listened, which was like, how can I root for somebody else who the only, like, good things we got about Harper were a slideshow in the in the opening credits and then that one scene the one christmas scene although i I will say that to your point of she's a completely different person yes and also when she just climbs up somebody else's roof that she like doesn't know this person i was like this is someone who has never had to face personal responsibility in her life Mm. so i would say that you know, watching back, that tracks at least. 
Well, I, I, I might push back against that because it seems as though her family almost holds her responsible for too much. It's like they they do. OK, so they're extremely <laughs> disparaging, uh-huh. of course, and they hold everyone to super high expectations. But I would argue that emotionally, Harper actually pushes everything onto other people. And is never really culpable for anything until like the very last scene. Because if if you're thinking about, uh, oh, we're in the spoiler free part. So like <laughs> destroying Jane's painting, for instance. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. and telling Abby that she feels really suffocated by her after. Oh my god! What a bitch. She was the person who <laughs> abandoned Abby. You know. Uh, in this place that she doesn't know anyone. So I, I would say that, you know, of course that was, it was a little blase to connect it to the roof, but, but I, you know what? No, I'm going to stick by it because I, I really think that she doesn't take any responsibility the whole time. Right. And, and that's, that's a good point, but I think it's almost like to the, it, it is almost like exemplary of the poor writing of character in this movie that like, I agree with everything you just said, but for some reason, I still feel like the way the character is written is a person who's used to taking the brunt of everything. Like it's it's so it's so bizarre the way it's that like paradoxical. Her... <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's and and the other thing is again like it's just weird because she's like so gung ho happy about Christmas and like if this is what every Christmas has been like, yeah. and clearly there's the added stress of her dad's mayoral campaign. Uh, then like <laughs> like. Obviously, like there's extra stress, but like I don't see her enjoying anything at all. And so, like, what I thought was gonna be, like, again, just like this this attempt at at showing, you know, the person you love, like the the joy of Christmas, but then like maybe realizing that they can't feel it if they're not out and open with who they are with you, like instead just becomes like meet the parents, but you don't like anyone (laughs) yeah well it it reminds me what's funny is that you just mentioned you know earlier that she seems like a completely different person she's so in love with christmas i had fucking forgotten about that because the whole rest of the movie is nothing to do with that and how much she fucking hates being there and hates all of these traditions and just like groans and grumbles all the time like her and her sister have so much animosity against well not just the one sister but i mean mainly it's for alice and brie but they have so I mean, much animosity. annoying, but they're yeah. so mean to her. <laughs> yes, they are very mean to her. But I'm, I'm mainly talking about Alice and Bree <laughs> sure, because sorry. they're they're like openly mean to her. They're they're yeah. kind of snooty and kind of behind the back with with. Is it Jane? I think yeah. it's Jane. Jane. I'm Barry um, Holland. But yeah, yeah Alice and Bree's character like they just like go at each other the entire movie, and you're like. Wait, is she not here normally on Christmas? Is this why like <laughs> is this why Mackenzie Davis likes Christmas because she's normally not here? I don't I don't understand. Like I yeah. Right. A, a, lot of this movie, a lot of this movie just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um but I don't want to I don't want to act like a lot of these fucking Christmas movies or a lot of these holiday movies that are ostensibly about like how much either these people love the holiday or hate the holiday and end up in the opposite 
you know, camp, right? They're they're always trying to go the opposite direction or the movie is trying to pull them in the opposite direction. I'm not going to say that Santa Claus is something that you can't poke a hole in or Elf or any of these other holiday movies. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I mean, Home Alone and all of these other like holiday movies that everybody loves. Like if you just sat down and just boiled it down to does this plot and do these characters act like humans and does the plot have any holes yeah, your your answer to all those things is going to be yes, it's full of holes. But like and a lot no of those are, are high concept movies. Like they're not character based. Like you know, you don't go to the Santa Claus for like an in depth look at like the guilt of accidentally causing the death of another human being. You know, but this sure, movie is sure. ostensibly trying to, in some way, capture a a you know universalized kind of experience. And it 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 fails. It, what's weird to me about this movie is I I as a as a Catholic am used to Christmas movies having fuck all to do with Jesus, and I'm totally cool with it. This is the first Christmas movie that I felt like didn't even want to engage with like the most secular aspects of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, odd. what was that? Well, it was odd that that piece. Speak louder. It was odd that piece. Which... I, I actually think it made sense in terms of cementing this like Christmas spirit holiday thing and then mashing it with a mayoral campaign <laughs> because <laughs> I think it actually, I don't know, it could be quite smart to be like, they don't actually care about Christmas. They care about the appearance of Christmas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and of togetherness and generosity Um and there's nothing religious or, or even approaching religious about it. Right. And I don't, I, but that's the weird thing is like, I'm, I, I don't need it to be religious at all because who, who cares, you know, but like it, it's, it's weird to me that and it ties back into Mackenzie Davis's character, Harper, her like weird, uh, like two sides, like two faced reaction. Cause like, she's like, I love Christmas, like the lights and the spirit and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm totally down for like the, Spirit is a time, or Christmas is a time of like being with people you love and giving and cocoa by the fire. And this movie then replaces even that most like basic aesthetic with how much this family sucks. And like they don't even come around to saying like the reason that this one Christmas was so harrowing is because of the mayoral thing. It just kind of like if like it would have been interesting if they had done something like that, where like usually they're a happy, loving family. But like there's enough stressors this year that it all goes wrong. And it's the like emotional catharsis of the the daughters finally coming clean about all their problems and the, the happy facade slipping that lets them get back to the happy Christmas. But now it's even happier because they're not lying to each other anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I, I- I feel like the thing, though, <clears throat> there, though, is what I'd like to say in in comparison to some of these other high concept or goofy hijinks filled Christmas movies we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they're known for like tonal extremes like, uh, you know, those very rarely go smoothly. And there's a lot of dumb stuff that doesn't often make sense. But I also don't think they're trying to reach for the level of warm, fuzzy ending that this does I, I think the very fact that this like flirts with some ideas that are 
are interesting, like in in terms of in, in terms of how Mackenzie Davis like is, you know, she is her queerness is entirely invisible when she's home, um, like to the point where she's almost uh, she's almost like is feeling warm feelings towards her ex boyfriend. Who's, you know, he's totally bland. I'm not saying it makes total sense, but like some of these things to me are ostensibly interesting. I think the idea that if they really wanted to make us think that this this family was terrible people, I was talking to a friend who's like, this should have just been get out. (laughs) (laughs) That level of of sadism, because it would have made more sense than the so much of this felt alien to me in the sense that even if you remove the layer of queerness, like these people are absolutely terrible to guess, like waking them up, going into their room, like uh, saying, stay here while they do other things. Like it, 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 before you get into anything related to the fact that um, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are, are a lesbian couple, like these are just monstrous people that at the end were just supposed to think, oh, that they just became a little bit self-involved. Like that to me is like the next level of grossness uh, about this. And and I, I can't say that part of that isn't that this could have been an opportunity uh, for something better, um, but it's still just... Uh, it just made me it made me angry that i was supposed to be okay with this when there are little moments that rang true to me as someone who i, I i've talked about this before on the podcast mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm by i've been in a relationship with my girlfriend for now 10 years uh 9 years oh my god but like oh, you better nail that number school, down before you talk to her again. <laughs> <laughs> no, she would do the same thing. Uh, in high school, like, my best friend was gay. Uh, I refused to engage with that. I, I didn't take it quite to the level of Mackenzie Davis, you know, uh, putting it, uh, saying, you know, it, uh, my friend was a stalker or anything. But, like, I could go through life um, in camouflage without really having to worry about that. And I, I, I think that there, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that there's something really, the setup here could be really interesting. So maybe it's just me belaboring over the missed opportunities here. But it just, this movie made me angry in a way that didn't read to me as inoffensive, but as them completely misunderstanding the characters and um, cheapening uh, something. I, I, I don't know. I, Shana, am, am I, <laughs> I, do no, you think I, I'm being overly strong? I, I, no. I'm not articulating it very well. I don't think you're being overly strong at all. Um, I, I think that there, okay. So there's a two prong thing that I'm going to try to say because so much was said before me and I was like, yes, yes. Ah. Um, <laughs> but part of it was that it's, it is marketed as, uh, the first lesbian holiday rom or like Christmas rom-com. Like that's something 
groundbreaking and exciting and all we ever want is to see something that's really fun and uh romantic and fluffy and vapid because we have so many coming out dramas and so many like really intense films but the problem was this was a coming out drama and it was a really intense <laughs> film um in like as soon as they got in that car it became kind of scary it became a situation in which yes you did want to flee and actually as soon as that happened as watching this with a friend both of us were like no, leave right now <laughs> leave right now and by get out almost, yeah yeah one might say and by 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 the almost ending in which abby decides to leave uh to leave harper and to go with john go back to pittsburgh both of us were like yes oh my god this is wonderful because abby has actually realized how terribly she's been treated and mm -hmm. she's about to make a stand for herself and maybe they'll come back together later like that one year later mark mm -hmm. maybe that would have been when abby would have returned to talk with harper and Harper has uh, done some thinking, perhaps, you know. Right, done some personal uh, work, like some, yeah. you know, I won't call on, it penance, but. <laughs> no, not penance, not even penance, because she, you know, she offered that. She offered the penance of, I will sp spend the rest of my life making this up to you, which is a terrible way to be married. Um, yeah, being indebted to another human being. <laughs> terrible, terrible. There, It's a very... I think it's a very misguided, okay, now I'm getting into like psychology and shit, but I think it's a very misguided way to feel as though you have to earn somebody's love, which is of course like totally understandable with the kind of family and parents she had, but it would have made so much more sense, I think, to have an ending that really satisfied as a coming out drama rather than tried to fix everything within the span of a minute and suddenly everybody's happy again and they're getting married and Christmas is saved. Like there was no justification. And it's, it really is a shame because like Michael was saying, they hit upon some, some points that are so salient and so poignant, including what it's like to, be the person who's hidden in a relationship and to be the person hiding. So yeah, I, 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 go ahead. it's like they, they started, they started, although I really, you know, the whole dialogue where it was like, I'm not hiding you, I'm hiding me. And it was like, Harper, you're also hiding her. <laughs> Two things exist at once, but <laughs> it's, it, there were some lovely thoughts about how complicated it is to love someone and also want to please the people who raised you and whom you feel you owe everything to. Mm -hmm. But they just did not follow through. It just stopped the moment in the gas station that like the music swelled and it went back to being a holiday rom-com. And again, like the holiday is like almost entirely aesthetics to the point that like, I just keep like you said, Christmas is saved. And I was like, it did it. Yeah, I guess. Like, it doesn't Everybody's seem like rude. Christmas means anything to these people. <laughs> Again, the dad is running for mayor. I don't know what the hell town this is. And Pittsburgh. They're not, they're not in Pittsburgh still, are they? 
No, they're started Pittsburgh. Suburbia. Yeah. Right. I, for whatever reason, was like, oh, this is like a rich section of upstate New York or Connecticut. Like, I, I honestly had no idea. Um, it's. I think that the the movie. I mean, yeah, they just make Harper such a monster, and they like the family. The thing is, in a movie like this, the family can be broad caricatures, but you gotta ground the the person who the yeah. the main character is in a relationship with, like. In, in Meet the Parents, like, Greg's, I don't even remember her name, fiance is... Terry, Terry Polo? Is that the character name? No, isn't that the actress? Oh, possibly. I, I don't know. I, 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 I forgot I Ben Stiller's is. name, so I called him Greg. I don't yeah, know how sure. I pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> like, he and her are fairly normal people. It is the dad and the mom and the guy played by Owen Wilson... And a bunch of other people who are the crazy people. But the the central couple should be like the eye of the storm to help you out. And they just kept... Like, it almost made me feel bad for Mackenzie Davis. <laughs> that she got saddled with this character who, like... A friend described her it as an impossible role. And I think that's oh, a fair point. Yeah, there's no way to make it good. She's got, like, just the words that she said, like, describing her actions makes her seem like an irredeemable fiend. Like it's like it. And again, like you got Aubrey Plaza in there and I'm like, Ooh, is this going to be like, just like a complication, you know, like there's the, like Aubrey Plaza's character is out. And so, you know, maybe like Kristen Stewart's character is going to feel like the Christmas spirit with her because they can actually celebrate it together. But instead she's just like another (laughs) dagger to sink into harper's character not her screen character like her moral character like the second that aubrey plaza told that story i was like well harper just needs to be put to death like this is insanity (laughs) like yeah i i mean i i found i found that sequence really really touching and i also found uh daniel levy's uh kind of speech uh really really touching Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and talking about like like you are out and everything was fine. Your parents are dead, unfortunately, but <laughs> <laughs> but everything was fine in that relationship until your parents sure. died, right? Like like you didn't have to fear this thing of like getting banished from your family, and yeah, I imagine that that is incredibly frightening and incredibly stressful to think that I'm suddenly in a relationship with someone that i love and uh oh shit why did i like she does to be fair she does that initially right when when they both wake up that next morning she says this was probably a mistake i kind of threw you into this (laughs) and she starts backpedaling and Kristen stewart is the one that's like no 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 let's go and so i do i'm not saying like let's erase everything that that uh she does and did but i am saying that she did kind of say oh no maybe i didn't think this through and ends up in this entire you know circumstance uh still under her control right she could have just said hey look this is probably a really bad idea before we drive however the fuck long that was a thousand dollar uber ride later um, that got a laugh out of me 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that it was like a nine times surge price. I saw that. And I was like, <laughs> uh, the gig economy is terrible. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I, I genuinely feel like that's that speech by Daniel Levy. And then also just like hearing the background of uh, Riley of uh, Aubrey Plaza's character was just fucking heartbreaking to like have her best friend who she's also dating. Right. They're theoretically their first like lesbian relationship with anybody else. And for ha- to have her like turn her back on her in that way is both like heartbreaking because you also understand that Harper's motivation wasn't to hurt her. It was to defend herself. Right. But that makes it worse. Like, no, but there's, there's something (laughs) honest. I I think there's genuinely, if the movie could have followed through or actually acted like it wanted to say something with, I, I think it's actually a bold choice. Like it's, you know, it's, it's easy, easy from the outside to be like, that's horrifying. And I really do think a number of things, even before you get into like the idea that in the past, you know, she acted like, you know, her best friend was a stalker. Like, I, I think that's a genuinely bold move to do to, to make it the climactic uh, scene to bring it back to that. Uh, it feels really, really like, Oh, so that didn't mean that much. Like you had a gesture that could have uh, stood out as individual and said something about her character. And then to bring it back to that same beat was like, oh, you didn't care about that. That was just a device. Like that's what's so weird. What what I mean is that I I think what's so strange to me. Well, hold on, hold on. So, so, so you're saying, you're saying that they bring it back at the end. I'm, I'm wondering about that. Uh, sure. Uh, she, well, Mackenzie Davis pretty much says the exact same, uh, or she says, uh, I'm not gay. Like she denies being, uh, being lesbian. Uh, uh-huh. and she it, says, she says her, her sister's a liar, right? Yes. Her sister's a liar. Correct. Um, culpability is, again, <laughs> personal <yeah>. responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, like the very fact that that becomes a device is, is all the stranger to me because, I feel like this movie's oddly, like, again, I think Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza, like, succeed in spite of everything around them. (laughs) Like, there could be deeply unfunny things around them, and they just feel natural and sincere and in a different movie. And so the fact that you see that, you're like, oh, this is what this could have been? Like, this is this is where the truth is in a way it's sorry that's dramatic. It's weird no me. no that's true i i think so i think that's where the emotional truth does happen is like, is between yeah. them is when especially when riley sees something in what's going on with abby and how heartbroken and confused abby is and reaches out and doesn't do it out of a way to get back at harper but yeah. does it because she remembers how terrible that experience was and has obviously yeah. never fully gotten over it because she never got an apology. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I definitely think there's something really salient about that and true. And two like little little things. Um, a couple of the lines that Aubrey Plaza has really made her performance, but also 
made just like the comedic strings kind of come together. I think uh, there was one little moment in which she points to uh, Abby and is like, I like your jacket. And they both are wearing the same jacket, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was really, <laughs> that was great. And then also their exchange of the like, well, you know, I keep, I keep having this problem where I stick my finger in my eye and it just keeps hurting. Why, why is that happening? And those were the moments, like you're saying, it's like, Oh, where was this movie? This is so great. So this is um, the, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand all the people saying that Aubrey Plaza is really good in this movie. Cause I honestly thought she was kind of not great in this movie. <laughs> I think that her I think that her character is a lot better, obviously, than Harper, but I like I just didn't feel a lot coming from her performance. Like See see, and that's so weird. I I don't know. You've you've talked about watching Parks and Rec, right? Yes. Okay. Are you an Aubrey Plaza fan then baseline brand? I don't I I don't who you know, she's not (laughs) I was gonna say she's not James Badge Dale. Like I'm not you I'm don't not, hate her. You don't find her whole shtick generally annoying. I haven't those in the past, but I okay. can like, you know, I, I think that Parks and Rec did a good job of like prying her away from that. But like, yeah, that is okay. kind of her shtick. And so seeing her being like another sort of sarcastic, affectless, like above it all, wiser than thou person was a little bit like, oh, OK, she's. She's Aubrey Plaza. Like this is Aubrey Plaza. Ah, I didn't see, feel. See, I, I I felt like she was very different than the normal performances that I I feel like she is doing, where she is coasting so so much. Um, I felt like she was giving emotional depth and giving the hurt because that's what I felt from her character the entire time that she was around in this film was just like she still hurt. She still is hurting every single time she's around this fucking family that did her dirty. Like, mm-hmm. and and she's never going to get over it until she does get an apology, and rightfully so. Like, like that set her on a path that she wasn't necessarily ready for at the time, and like just pulled the rug out from under her. And, right. and that's yet, all good from like a writing still... and character arc standpoint. I'm just saying I didn't find that her performance added anything to that. It's not like a bad performance. It's just, well, I'm, I don't I'm think it's particularly that... laudable. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm saying the opposite then. <laughs> all right. Yes. I, I liked her performance. Um, and I also just thought she was really hot. So well, I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, let's, she, I mean, we can <laughs> like, like, Parts of Wreck did not do her any favors, but she's definitely, uh, I guess, glowed up. Yeah, that, that's a word. Hell yeah. 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 Also, yeah. I, I mean, was like, holy shit. Uh, older Aubrey Plaza is hot. <laughs> she is. and But she, she came in in the character of this hot, vengeful ex, and then she just wasn't vengeful. Did no. you ever? I never felt like she was vengeful. No, she wasn't. It's, no. it's oh, just okay. the, you... the trope. Yeah. Gotcha. Like none of the exes are vengeful. Both mm-hmm. of the exes seem like perfectly kind and nice people. It's just the family that's I terrible. Feel, I feel like what's her face? Uh Abby, Kristen Stewart's character, should dump Harper, then just go hang out with uh Aubrey Plaza and vaguely handsome Craig or whatever his name is. From Greek. <laughs> yeah. It looks and like his John name is Connor. Dan, Dan Levy. Yeah. Dan Levy was my favorite part of this movie. I need to talk about that for a second. He is Amazing. Creek? No, I don't. 
you would really like it. I've heard that, that the first season is not great, though, and I don't want to have to slog through a first season to get to like, uh, the good stuff. But, but it, th- they're also, slog, I think, but I also think they're thirty-minute episodes, and they're like ten episodes. Yes, yeah, super. Oh, all right. Well, maybe. Yeah, I guess I could do that. It's it's, it's definitely worth it. Like I've wasted I, five I, hours on worse things. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I mean like. I I was actually like a little upset when he arrived at the house because I was just so enjoying the escalation of every time he was on the phone. He was at another (laughs) step in this journey of trying to salvage the fish situation. That was gold. That was gold. It just like just like his whole like, you know, the dog and the cat and the bird. And she's like, what about the fish? He's like. Yeah, so what's uh what's happening with you? And then he's like <laughs> throwing them out and flushing them. He's like taking pictures of them and he's like, I really like those fish. Like if I wanted to like buy those fish, like should... And then he's in the fucking fish store and I just was like, I need more of this. I wanted like a a, a um a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern side quill that's just him dealing with the fish and maybe like finding love on Christmas or some bullshit. So, so, so let me, let me coolest fish store. I just want to say that real quick. The lighting in that place looked a little <laughs> that, that, bit that, that, illegal. That's movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, if, if you enjoy that, Brian, that's basically shit's Creek in a nutshell. It's yeah. just like yeah. constantly escalating people in way above their heads and continuing to just dig for China. And sweet. It's not like a mean show at all. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I um, I've watched a lot of mean shows recently. I feel like I could. <laughs> it, that's a palate cleanser for sure. Yeah, think think like Queen's Gambit, but like gay and hilarious. And not chess, and not in any way. Like also, Gambit. like thirty Queen's minutes Gambit long and five seasons, and. You know, not a period piece, I assume. Is he Eugene Levy's son? Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, Eugene this all Levy becomes is... clear now. Okay, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are the parents. Right. And now I see that in Schitt's Creek, there's also a Sarah Levy. Is that yeah. another member of the Levy clan or is she unrelated? Yes. No, yeah. that's, that is uh, his sister. And she's Man. good, too. She's in it less, but she's good as well. Just call this nepotism the series. Uh, but no, I've heard really great things about it, and I do want to see it. And having seen uh, Dan Levy now, uh, I won't, yeah, I, I'm into it. Um, and I, I really liked his speech, but I feel like by that point, Harper was so thoroughly just corrupted. That I yeah. just couldn't like, and he does a lot to sell it, like talking about like his dad didn't talk to him for 13 years. And, um, you know, it's like, it's the closing of a chapter. Like you can't go back. It's blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, that's like a really good point. Too bad. It's being wasted on this Harper woman <laughs> mm-hmm. who's history's I, okay. greatest monster. But I do want to say that I think something really important is that Clea Duvall did say in, you know, an interview defending harper basically that the reason she she had this coming out scene happen with with harper was because and and with harper refusing to say that she actually was a lesbian and that abby was her girlfriend was that she wanted to base it off of the experiences in which you don't get it right the first time Mm. and how coming out is such a process and to that i think that's that's a really excellent 
point. And I like that they had the Dan Levy speech and they were trying to really couch this all in a point of like being closeted is not the problem. That's not the issue. And not coming out is not the issue. It's everything else that's happening. But then it's that is that is kind of destroyed by the ending. And I also, unfortunately, I, I think again, the, the, the making this into like kind of a more intense coming out story, almost like Rob's, like Rob's the movie of like whatever slight, I don't want to say charm. There's just like, if they hadn't done that, like if they hadn't made it so much about Harper and that whole situation, like it, they might've been able to get there in a more light way that you're still on everyone's yeah. side instead of feeling like oh yeah betrayed. like because again like if just just talking about like you know get out of this scenario just like run away like like i brought up fraser earlier like almost every episode of fraser is like why don't you just take 12 seconds to either leave gracefully or just explain the situation but the the issue is that the characters would rather risk an embarrassment like 10,000 times as big as the embarrassment of leaving. If there's like a 1% chance that it might not happen. Mm -hmm. Mm. There's no introspection. There's really for, for Harper at least, but also for all of the other members of the family, except for Jane, um, who I, I know somebody mentioned they found Jane annoying. I found Jane absolutely delightful. Um, Did you really? Okay. Oh, I did. (laughs) Michael Snydell just, Sorry. With with a real southern woman kind of shade did right there. Really? <laughs> oh, did you really? Bless your heart. That's charming. Yeah. No, I did. I loved her. I thought she was very welcoming. And uh, I thought she was coded a little bit as on the spectrum. And yeah. it's kind of the reason that everyone was treating her so okay. shitty. Was that I'm she was alone. an inconvenience. I, I, I'm, I'm not really, alone in that then. Okay. I, I really, really, really loved <laughs> how many times she was interacting with some of the people like outside of her family that were really into the books. Like every time yes. she was talking to Daniel Levy, uh, she's, I think she's talking to uh, one of like the interns at some point. Um, and yeah, she's like, they're all into this shit. And the fucking family is just like, every time she talks about it, just rolling their eyes. But I, I will say love- she maybe loads her, her prose and her narrative with too many made up words, but otherwise it seems like it might be a compelling story. <laughs> oh fuck. No, that sounds like a terrible story. <laughs> I would love it. That sounds like a new fantasy series that I've been waiting for ever since finishing Lord of the Rings. So Oh, it just for know, some y'all. reason it made me think of like the pepperwood chronicles from new girl <laughs> where it's like this, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. hilarious joke that actually ends up being like a successful novel in world and you're just like <laughs> really damn yeah i love that i'm all for what happened i well that's partly i think one place the movie succeeds is building these friendships and these mm. really important relationships completely outside of the family with Jane and with John and then also with John and with Abby like that was so beautiful to see them like two queer friends actually supporting each other and uh Carolyn Framp the variety tv critic just put out a really nice little tribute to that in which she paid absolutely no attention to the romance happening in this film and instead focused on 
how wonderful it is to see on screen the value of queer friendship because that's not something we actually get to see a lot. Yeah, a, a, a lesbian and a, and a gay man like having that kind of deep friendship actually to me felt a little more not I guess novel like a little more like interesting just because again you don't see it that much like yeah like in in I'm gonna use this word wrong like intersectional like or intersecting like camps of queerness don't usually like spring up together in the same movie like exactly it's like oh we can only handle one of these at a time so uh in this world all men are homos or heterosexual um and there's just two lesbians I also there was a tweet like a couple months ago after the Ammonite trailer dropped and the it's, what? there was a tweet Ammonite. after the Ammonite. What, what the fuck? What, what is Ammonite? Ammonite is with Saoirse Ronan. And <laughs> oh oh my Lisa, God. And it's from the God's own country director. Oh, okay. Yes. So anyway, the, that was a long wind up for a, now what's going to seem like a very underwhelming joke. It was you just, um, Shana asking that by the way. <laughs> My entire life has been steeped in this Ammonite. Like before Happy Season, it was Ammonite. Well, what's I saw this tweet and it was like uh, about the Ammonite trailer, and it just said, "Let lesbians have electricity." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so I'm glad that that got a laugh because, like I said, that was a long wind up to what was supposed to be a very quick anecdote. Oh no! I mean, that's that's something. Okay. It's it's gone from let lesbians have electricity to let lesbians have uh, healthy interdependent relationships that are not codependent. <laughs> and well, oh, they have a lot of electricity now, but they don't have stability. So, you know, take what you can get but sometimes. See, that's that's kind of why I feel like... Like, I heard about this movie, I think, like, for the first time when I was told that we were going to be reviewing it because... Again, this my life is our, what this was on our top 50 uh, films, uh, most anticipated films of the, the film stage uh, of 2020. Yeah, if so I, I, I had been following this for a while. If I didn't write it, I didn't read it, you know, so like, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I have a lot going on in my life. All right. All right. Um, said that already. But so I, I read up on it and I was like, oh, that seems like a cute movie. Like that could be interesting. And again, I just really did think it would be like a like an us against the world kind of thing. And like when they get there to the home, I just had like this impression like, oh no, is like the dad going to hit on Abby at some point? Oh no. Like I I had in my head, like all of the, the, the more like not exactly lighthearted, but like the more cringe comedy, like what are all the ways this could go wrong in like a funny and awkward way? And I just was not expecting like, oh, we're going to find out that Harper sucks real hard, but they're still <laughs> going to end up together. Mm-hmm. I I agree. And I think I would have liked it more if it were in that cringe comedy thing that happened with the same ending. But since it deviated so wholly from the spirit of what I'm assuming is the spirit of Christmas's happiness, I'm not sure. I've never truly experienced it. But <laughs> since it did, it just happiest season was like season of suffering yeah i um i also hate the title of this movie um it's, it's awkward to say <laughs> yeah it's the it's it's happiest it's not even the happiest season it's happiest season happiest seasoning it's like okay so remember we can't use the word christmas 
because uh, because there's lesbians in it that will en- enrage the evangelicals, but also <laughs> it will also enrage the people who don't believe in Christmas. Um, we can't but say Mary because that's too don't close. Actually, seem to have any religion, which is also interesting. Like uh, the coded bigotry is not really there. Like they don't have any. Well, they, well that's what made the, does, that's what made the that... utter lack of Jesus in this movie stand out more than it does in any other Christmas that's... movie I've ever seen. <laughs> he okay, does. He fair. does have that mayoral speech though. Where he, t- I'm pretty sure he talks about religion, and he yeah, talks he- about family values and traditional values. He doesn't like code he, words, right? It's it's yeah. it's like a dog whistle that even a dog can't hear because it's actually just a broken whistle. You know, it's like it, it, he, it definitely seemed like he was skirting around like being specific. But yeah. but what's weird is that like. Uh, like it's a very diverse community like his wife or his wife his his daughter is is in an interracial relationship like oh god we didn't even get into that i mean there's just not time who this, thought this... he was gonna be gay by the way i thought I, I, from a mile away i thought that's what the joke was gonna be first of all just because you see an immaculately dressed man who cares about <laughs> carefully curated gifts but they also show the shot. When she... Yeah, you can't even think what they are. <laughs> well, because they keep calling them experience. gift baskets, and then Allison yeah. Bree's like they're actually carefully curated gift experiences in like handmade, r- reclaimed wood vessels. Yes, he was giving the assistant eyes, which is why I. Uh, well, I guess that's obviously the joke that he was actually with her, but it's still like. Mm. Eh. I don't remember. I don't that, but okay. I also thought he was going to be gay. Okay, see? <laughs> yeah, I, I did think that. I thought their children were going to end up murdering everyone, but that didn't happen. Yes, their children are terrifying. Yes, oh, they are. Man. What, what's funny is that they're, they're terrifying in different ways from scene to scene. They're like the twins <laughs> from The Shining, and then their problem child, and then they're mm-hmm. like innocent playing hide and seek because they saw aunt harper do it and it's just like these kids don't even have a solid characteristic <laughs> characterization not at all i saw I, okay the first thing i thought when i saw them and when they were so like hostile and weird and then getting abby into trouble with like shoplifting and shit like that i was like oh man like there's some really strange tokenization and bad behavior going on and then I saw a tweet about something like, oh, man, I'm so tired of when all Greta Gerwig does is is write about white people problems. And it's like, well, would you want Greta Gerwig to write right about, about <laughs> the problems of black people, and indigenous people and people of color? I don't think so. And then that's the thing that kind of made me think about this movie and be like, oh, so I guess I don't really want Mary Holland and Clea Duvall to like tackle interracial marriage well so that's like i i as when i was growing up i really wanted to be a a novelist or an author of any kind and like so i was writing all the time and at some point in like middle or high school you know it was like you know oh just like another white guy writing about white guy stuff and then i was like all right i guess i should try to write something about someone who's not a white guy and it took me all of like 45 minutes to be like i can't fucking do that are you joking me And then it became a thing of like, if you are a person who's writing about the life experience of someone who's not you, you're a monster. I was like, wow, I'm so glad I like saw beyond the curve 
to oh, yeah. never attempt that. that because that would have been like everyone's got their shitty first novel. But like if that had been my shitty first novel, I might literally have to kill anyone who's ever read it. And like I I've written two novels that no one will ever see. And I started writing a third and a friend of mine said, you know, drunkenly and jokingly, but still cuttingly. Oh, is it about another suicidal white guy? And I said to them, would you rather it be about like a bisexual Native American woman? And then they just paused and they're like, you do you, buddy. Don't <laughs> like, yeah, please don't do that. And I was like, yes, you write what you know. I'm not about to step outside my experience. That is for Let's literally anyone else. Put you in front of an MFA cohort right Ugh. now. Your one your one lesson is lived experience, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you either got it or you don't. And that's it. It'd do a world of good, I think. I, I have a question that uh, a friend put to me. Is this supposed to be a farce? Okay, see, that's why I keep bringing up Frasier. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. It's, I think it's a totally reasonable question. Uh, Shana, we were actually talking about, but I'm a cheerleader a little bit earlier. Yeah. I was also thinking of like the bird cage, which, you know, is complicated for many other reasons now. But like, is that what this is supposed to be? Do you think it's why no. it's so jagged? I don't think so. I don't think it's supposed to My, be a farce at all. I, I think I think this is your Ready Player One is this meant is to not, be This is Ready Player One is meant to be bad. I and, think it's bad on purpose. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think I'm, it was I'm very, sorry to bring that up again, but yeah, no. It was like I, I kept kind of searching for things like that too. Like maybe this is a commentary <laughs> about how you can fuck up your kids so bad that they can never actually treat their partners with love. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it, it's supposed to be extremely genuine and there are little moments of weirdness and fun and, and then it's supposed to be a life lesson. It would be funny if it were like, well, it would be interesting if it were an anti-comedy where it like had the setup of a farce and yet it just kept getting undercut by like real emotions and the emotional fallout. <laughs> but it, like I said, like I came into this expecting a farce. I came into this expecting feature length episode of Frasier where people are like diving behind couches and like someone's having a conversation with someone and trying to let someone escape the room. And so they keep going like, oh, my God, look at that out the window. Oh, I'm sorry. It was just a bird. Just so the person could like scamper between furniture there's a tiny bit of that like with Kristen Stewart uh, doing her little dance down the hallway and back into the closet oh you're in the closet where are we steps on the Roomba yeah and steps on the Roomba and uh, and in the first scene she falls from the roof onto a giant snowman so like there were bits of that right and so that's kind of like the the first like what before they got into the car i was like this movie has effectively set up in the most lame obvious way possible what's going on like you know having a character be like yeah oh i know you don't like christmas because your parents are dead it's just like well that's (laughs) a little obvious but okay and then just having like I was like, I was like, we have to do the dumb setup because now we get to go to the jokes and the, um, the, the explanation of like why someone's clothes are in the wrong place, you know, like, oh, like what, what is that? Like, is that Harper's shirt? It's like, no, it's a, 
it's mine. And then she puts it on and it's like either too small or too big. And it's like, yeah, this is how they're wearing them in Pittsburgh now. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, stupid shit like that, but done by people with good comic timing and with good writing and editing, it can work. <laughs> or done with people who you want to root for. Right. Well, that's the problem is, Maybe. again, I had no concept of the fact that they were going to just assassinate Harper so consistently. This this goes along with uh, th- the fact that, like, two, uh, two women can't uh, sleep in the same bedroom, but... If in that scene where they're sneaking around, why couldn't she easily just be like, oh, I'm going to talk to my best friend or I forgot to say something about the rent. If you like need to, if you need oh, yeah. to say something like it was, that's the absurd thing. It's like there are ways to come up with hijinks that aren't like. Uh, it's also a huge this is house. A family of aliens. Like, right. Like what? I get left alone with guests all the time. Like, you know, just. <laughs> Wake up, yeah. put your goddamn clothes on, and say, like, oh, yeah, she came down because she, like, remembered she had to say something to me. Yeah. Like, the family's in such early. deep denial <laughs> that I don't think it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. They even said, like, oh, you know, we, we took the lock off this door. I was like, well, that's going to come into play constantly. And it only really happened, like, once or twice. There are a lot of setups that just didn't pull all the way through like with the ring with so much emphasis on proposing we didn't even see the proposal we didn't see the proposal and that ring didn't show up like somewhere else yeah you know like uh uh-oh like why is this ring in your your jacket like you know what it like somebody somebody found the ring oh the kids found the ring and wrapped it as a white elephant present (laughs) oh my god that would be amazing you know something there we go um, Already infinitely better. Uh, can we talk about the boyfriend real quick, or the ex-boyfriend real quick? Because I got a question. Connor? Yeah, Connor. Bland, handsome, dependable Connor. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's going to make also, an Alice very, or a Jennifer very happy one of these days. Like, he's a very nice guy. Like, he seemed great. Like, even, even confronted her and was like, hey, you didn't know about this dinner thing, did you? She was like, no. And he was like, Okay, yeah, now I feel like shit. Like <laughs> I I definitely was right, part again, of again. that on Abby and and Riley should just like chill out, grab a pizza, you know? Maybe they're just all happier not around Harper. But, but like he has so, non-existent sex appeal and zero charm. So like I don't really want to watch that. Movie. I feel like that's perfect for being a beard. Like <laughs> I did, yeah, and I did enjoy Dan Levy objectifying him. That was really fun. Dan Levy yeah. saying that he could bench, I don't know, a thousand, <laughs> a thousand plus. <laughs> and his eyes when he said that was just like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Brian, you're gonna love Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek, yeah. like honestly. I mean, um, yeah, probably. I loved. I loved it. Is he like a big part of it, or is he going to? Oh, yeah, the star. Yeah. Oh, he's the star. He's That's perfect. I'm. I'm yeah. down. I'm on board. Okay. Uh. Anyways, so Connor. Um. Sh- he confronts her and basically is like, "I thought we were going to last through this relationship or long distance thing, and you broke it off suddenly." Blah 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 blah. And he asked her. He outright asked her. If there was someone else or something else in the way. Good and I, I felt like that is a moment for her to get away from having any kind of repercussions, right? Because this guy's obviously on her side, still likes her, right? Or is still kind of in love with her, whatever they were, right? And 
like that is a moment for her to confess to him. And I don't know if it's true. I don't know how long they broke up before she, you know, realized she was gay or whatever. Well, clearly she knew she was before she was with him because that's when she screwed over Riley. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, she may have still been confused, right? And I think she. I said mean, no. Up. I feel like at that point she she knew it was up, and then she like quickly course corrected to a man to get her through high school, and then. Okay. Well, then again, she still has the opportunity there to without any repercussions because more than likely he's not going to go tell on her right he's not going to blow up her spot to basically tell him hey i'm gay like and and to get over that first initial hurdle in a way right because she always has the gay friend um she always she already has a girlfriend right but it seems like she doesn't have very many other people in her corner and in this timing, it seems like like I was expecting her to say, I'm gay at that point. And she doesn't. And I mean, that I was, would have been a nice moment. Yeah. I actually really like that scene as it exists. I think it's one of the few moments uh, th- that truth I was speaking to. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the few moments that actually felt very real to me. The fact that she would not acknowledge that there was someone else well she can't she's like because that's not the movie like the movie is her getting forced into it at the last 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 second but it could have been that movie because it flirts with that in the sense that when she's out with her best friends i i I mean sorry this is totally reiterating what we said earlier about like the person who's hiding and being hidden uh but like when she's with her friends who like i think her friends are perfectly cast by the way <laughs> they are oh, yeah. totally interchangeable from each other, but like it, it, I think it also weirdly does a good job without saying anything that like, oh, she was a popular girl, like she was someone who, like, it, it's it's not like she was a weird artsy kid or something. Like, mm-hmm. I very much got mm-hmm. the sense that like, oh, she was a very specific, very white bread hetero type of woman. She was the uh, homecoming queen. Oh, was she homecoming queen? Okay. There there was that photo that uh, they were trying to hide as soon as they went into her bedroom or that she was trying to hide as soon as she went into the bedroom of her and Connor wearing sashes. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost think that chicken pox thing is kind of interesting too. Like, uh, again, like those are, yeah, they are risky, but in a better calibrated movie, I think that type of like, uh, seesawing like oh this person does things that aren't likable but they're also very much like navigating their queerness I, I think that that's like a complicated idea that isn't is usually taken to two extremes so like it, again it's just a weird that, that's another thing like the Aubrey Plaza uh, Kristen Stewart relationship that like Oh, this person knows what they're talking. I, I, that sounds really condescending, but like I, I really do get the sense that Claire Defall knows this experience, but also she felt the need to make a holiday movie, <laughs> and those two are not—they're uh, not in conversation. <laughs> well, it's weird. I don't know. Like I kept getting the feeling, like between her lies about her past and the way she was acting with the guy. I honestly thought that at some point she was going to like just hook up with him, like come out as, as bi instead and be like, I don't know. It was, it was very hard to navigate 
what the hell was going on there. Because like the oh, like the way she was, she's acting like a woman who's cheating. Like that's just the best way I can think to put it. Like she's not even acting like I'm a guy who's callously out getting wasted with my friends and like dis like disrespecting my partner. Like. She's acting like, oh, I can't let her know that I'm out this late with this person and I will, like, feel guilty if I text her. Like, that did play as cheating. That's, a, that's an interesting well, And, yeah, when, when when she's woken up the next morning and is, like, accusing her yeah. well, accusing her of, like, suffocating her. Right, like, you're, you're acting feels- like a guardian or something, like, you're suffocating me, we need space. I'm like, oh, because she's falling back in love with the exactly. guy. Yeah, that's that's what I felt like that that scene is supposed to read as as well. But I don't think that's what was happening. No, I just I think that's. I don't think so. No, it, but like it that's... wasn't. But there was. I agree that there was an opportunity for her to tell someone, a, a more neutral party, someone who is clearly on her side, and then start to work toward a redemption for having treated Abby so horribly and mm-hmm. Riley so horribly, and then maybe the ending would have felt more rewarding. Well, I think I think that, you know, if, Michael, you had asked if this was a farce, and I think in the farcical sure. version of this movie, based on my years of experience watching farce, what, what would happen is that, like, they would get caught by everyone individually so that by the time you get to the big, like, coming out mm-hmm. sequence at the end... There would be like yeah. the laugh line of like 20 seconds of people going like, did you know? Oh, you know? Oh, my God. And then it's just like the one person <laughs> probably fun, <laughs> probably the dad yeah. going like, wait, did everyone know but me? Mm-hmm. That's much more Christmas rom-com farcical. That's that's, <laughs> that's happiest. Season. That's yeah, exactly. That's a, but like because it would be it would be something like okay, like, the kids catch them making out, and then you've got to navigate, because, like, they'll say, like, oh, we were just, like, practicing for a play or playing a game, and then, like, the kids would pantomime making out and be like, we're, like, practicing the play that, like, Aunt Abby and, like, Harper were doing, and then, like, she would drunkenly tell her ex-boyfriend in a moment of, like, real meaningful catharsis, but then he's in on it, and, like, I don't know. Mary Steenburgen would this. listen in on a phone call between Abby and and John and hear it and know. And it would just be this like rollicking snowball of everyone knows, but not everyone knows that everyone knows. And even the people with the secret don't know who knows and who doesn't know. They also thought Dan Levy was straight, though, and that Kristen Stewart was straight. They thought Kristen Stewart was straight. <laughs> wow. Dan, who doesn't John even say, that? like, have they never seen a lesbian? <laughs> Yeah, that was great. That was great. Do they not see the blazer? Like, what's happening here? There's an amazing meme going around where it's Mackenzie Davis. Uh, it's a it's a gallery of every one of her roles, <laughs> and like every one of them is with like short hair that's coded as queer. <laughs> and this is the only movie she's in where it's like coded as straight like those those bangs really bothered me (laughs) i mean she's playing femme yes yes but because they they couldn't they couldn't have her have her regular hair because the gig would be up well i don't know with that family (laughs) yeah true that family you could walk in slinging every single lesbian stereotype and they'd still be like oh okay great 
place the present under the tree and that's it that's all they say (laughs) shana i'm kind of curious though as someone who's way more plugged into this why is this just kind of a perfect storm of timing and actress and everything why do you think that this did get people into such a flurry i think part of it is that it is so accessible everyone can watch it um like literally everyone, not, you know, not literally everyone has the ability to have a Hulu subscription, but so many more people are able to see something on streaming. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it. There are so many recognizable names, um, especially within people who are excited to see Kristen Stewart finally play gay in like a happy way, uh, who are excited to see Dan, Dan Levy, who are really excited to see Clea Duvall directs another gay feature, you know. So I think it was it was correct that the film stage had this as a very highly anticipated movie. It was. And even though there was some trepidation around like, oh, again, coming out is the main drama because everybody knew that when, when the concept dropped. But it was still like, I'm going to watch it because it's going to be a fluffy, happy movie. And I want yeah. that. I, I need some of that energy in my life where I don't have to worry too much. I think a big part of the flurry is about feeling a little bit tricked into watching something that was actually like full of manipulation and <laughs> people trying to figure out their identity, but doing it in a way that really hurt other people and everyone had super unhealthy boundaries. So it, it it wasn't the fluffy, happy thing that we were led to believe. And then also, I think there's a divide because I, I have seen some people enjoy this movie. Um, but I think there's a divide between this question of, uh, oh, well, you just don't want to see another coming out movie. But you know what? Those are really important. We need those. And then it's not about coming out. It's, it's that, uh, it was hurting somebody else. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a, there are a lot of interested parties who feel represented or attacked <laughs> in, in the plot of this film. And so it's opened up a huge pool of conversation, which I think is fun and exciting. And also kind of like, nice that a lot of us can process how badly we were treated or treated somebody else um but there there is so much to mine here there is a lot to be frustrated and sad about i think because of this ending of excusing someone who hurt you so badly and uh some i think some older queer people are worried that younger queer people will watch this and think that this is how you will allow yourself to be treated. Like this is how you should allow yourself to be treated to get a happy ending. And it's Mm -hmm. this worry of internalizing that happy ending as a messaging to not support yourself when somebody else is in, in need Mm -hmm. of some help. Um, But, but I will say that's, you know, that's a part of it, but I will say that like, I considered that for myself when I was the uncloseted person, which lasted all of like two months. I was closeted for such a short time and I was immediately out. So like I had a very different story than this movie. 
but when I was someone who was kind of closeted to myself and watching media, the messages I was internalizing, the only queer stuff that I was seeing was like Grey's Anatomy, which was not good either. There was so many bad emotional messages in that. And I turned out, I think, okay. And full disclosure, like I have gone to therapy and I've like figured things out and had many queer friends to talk to about all these things. So it's like, we might be worried about young queers, but I think they'll figure it out too. Um, yeah, it, you know. it, it, it just sucks that this is kind of that cultural touchstone for right now, but there will be other movies and there will be other things to kind of rail against or, you know, put up on the pedestal or things like that. Right. Well, like, so I mean, that's, that's what like, I was going to say think, is like, think, you're, you're, you're hanging out, you know, I, well, I'm hanging out. I'm, I'm a straight white male and I see this movie and I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Because like I'm used to 33 years of seeing a bunch of movies exactly. about straight white couples that are also horrible and also have terrible like morals and also are like deeply offensive in terms of like, like it's a, it's a, it's a meme by now, but like anyone who watches a Disney movie is like, right. Oh, right. Yeah. If you let the monster control you, you'll get a library and he'll turn into a prince eventually. Cause your love will change him. Like, so I'm just here like, yep, yep. Nope. Uh, Hollywood and, you know, screenwriters in general just don't know how to write a healthy relationship. And you just got to get to the end and smile because the characters are happy. And that's just what a movie does. And then the movie's over. And then I close my laptop and I'm just like, yep, that's another middling, problematic holiday sort of comedy. So we have this <laughs> saying, um, which is the straights are not OK. Um, and I think that's what all of those movies of like a million different movies of really troublesome heterosexual dynamics that are passed off as romance like so familiar and i think it's just kind of sad sometimes to finally get a larger budgeted bigger starring comedy that is so available so accessible to so many people and the message is queer people make terrible decisions too and stay in real bad relationships too. Like, Look, we're not. all the same deep down. This is my thing though. Like I have a bunch of friends who are married and have like really excellent relationships and you see them interact with each other and you're just like, no one would ever make a movie about you. Cause mm -hmm. no one wants to see a movie or a television show about a couple with good open communication with a solid foundation and like, you know, just perfectly combined families, raising a child, doing their best, struggling the normal amount, but generally being on each other's side. Like there's no tension inherent in that. It's oh, insane. I, like, <laughs> I would challenge you. Uh, I think Bob's Burgers really. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. but see, Bob's Burgers, like he one. gets trapped in a wall or they think that a rich woman murdered her husband. Like, I, I agree <laughs> with you. Like that <laughs> is relationship. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful, like, I love Bob's Burgers. I love, like, its vision of, of family and stuff. But also, like, yeah, like, the tension, like, it's, they... Her they, obsession with butts, it still cracks me up. <laughs> and zombies. Um, yeah, no, I, I, see, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. It, would, it would be really boring to see people talk it out and resolve their issues after doing some really deep inner child work um, and then having a happy and... and 
pleasant relationship for the rest of the film. Right. This is just two hours of people making it work with like minimal interpersonal conflicts. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. Thank you, Belgium, I guess. I will. I will say, I will say, though, I think there are a lot of coming out drama and like coming out movies that have more satisfying endings. So for all the clamor about this being like an important story because it depicts the realities of having difficulty coming out, I would just like to direct people to um, to Saving Face, to But I'm a Cheerleader. What about Princess Sid? To print absolutely to Princess Sid. Underrated. Oh, Princess Sid is like one of the top three movies that this podcast has ever seen. I love it. Yes. Princess Sid is if if you're ever back on the podcast and you need us to shut up for a second, just lob the word Princess Sid out (laughs) and we will suddenly be like, oh, such a good oh, such a good movie. (laughs) What were we talking about? No, legitimately, though, Henry Gamble's birthday party and the wise kids deals even more directly with that. I mean, I love Princess Sid because, like, everyone's supportive and it's amazing. But, like, Princess Sid Sid actually might be the antithesis of the thing that I just said. (laughs) But it's about people coming to that understanding, you know, because she and her aunt do have, like, a little a little clash at a certain point, you know. But, like, that's the point is, like, that's the movie that brings you to the point where you're like, oh, now we can talk openly and work through things. Yeah. It's character development, and there was no character development for Harper. Yep. No, she just she just got outed, and then that was it. Like that was. Yep, which sucked. Even, which I don't even... think we shouldn't <laughs> go let go that that was a really shitty thing to happen. Yeah. Yes. That's really fucked. I mean, that's the thing is like, we haven't even talked about how awful the whole, the whole family is like Alison Brie is a monster for doing that. Like what is that ice skating scene. What, what is that? Why not is that funny? Happen? Not, not funny. funny. No. The, the only, only thing that was funny was Jane and, uh, Oh God. Yeah, I can't the, even the, remember the, husband's name. Yeah. The, the husband like sitting back and just being like, Oh shit, this is, and this she's is like, happening. Oh, I forgot to start timing them. And he's just like, well, you can't tell them that. <laughs> like yeah, that, that was yeah, the that. funniest. Like the entire race was the setup for that one line. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't, but it's it all looks I like got that was a uh, Burl Mosley as Eric. Yeah, from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. No, I haven't seen that either. It's it's good. It's it's it, it's good. It, I yeah. Don't hedge, uh, Michael. Just stick with yeah, your recommendation. I have complicated feelings about it by the end, but um. Anyway, like I, I, I am curious. I, I feel like it's been discussed a lot, um, but I, I do want to say I'm just thinking of some things in uh, predominantly non-queer films that there have been a couple. Um, so, like Blockers, weirdly, has a really good. Uh, oh yeah, that's really good. I, 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 with um, oh my god, I don't want to butcher Cena. her name. Uh, but uh, one of the girls in Blockers, it's a really healthy queer relationship that he star- she starts uh, book smart to an extent. Actually, I think that starts that ends kind of badly, doesn't it? I Does can't it end badly? Remember. Uh, she like goes to make out with like the first girl yes. ever and then throws up and then that girl comes and finds her and gives her a number or something. All right, you're right. I remembered something bad happening at the end reason. I think weirdly... Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't mention this already. Uh Kajillionaire 
I know that oh. not enough people have seen it yet um, because I, I don't know when it's coming to streaming really soon, I think. But that's one to watch out for in which the dynamic of the family and the parents is just completely fucked up. And the good thing in that movie, the saving thing, is the queer relationship. Hmm. So that's that's another one. The one question I did have is, do you think the last analogous thing to this, Shana, is is, uh, uh, Love, Simon? Oh, man. (laughs) I know that's its own complicated (laughs) thing. There's some stuff in there, too. Yeah, I was going to talk about that because, like, that was one of those that was widely widely released, right? It was Mm -hmm. was in the movies, and it had a lot of complicated things going on as well. There's a character who blackmails the queer character uh, into helping date his friend i believe i believe what it is like blackmail is a central part of one of the characters uh relationships (laughs) so i have abstained from seeing love simon wow that's that's how complicated it is okay fuck and it's it's not even that complicated but i kind of was like "Mm, okay you know (laughs) this is this is going to be important for someone and it's not going to be important for me I, Probably. Um, I when 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 Love Simon came out, I think I again I saw a tweet and it was something like, "We're it's good that we're in a place where like, you know, queer people can also get like a middling, like mm. sort of okay movie <laughs> released like wide." <laughs> this is it's such a funny thing to like use both as a joke and as a serious statement of like, finally we can just be mediocre. There was. Because- it was like, a TikTok that I saw that was like that too. And it was like, it was an African-American man. And he said, like, I've just written like this. I've just, or like, I have an essay and it's called how to talk about that movie that everyone's talking about because it's from a marginalized or underrepresented group that you didn't like. And actually no one really likes, but we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and so it was just him doing a series of like this movie. It's, it's so important. Like, it's yeah. so great that this, <laughs> And then, like, it starts to, like, get slowly a little more, like, obvious. And I think one of my favorite, like, two of my favorite lines are, like, they're out here failing upwards all the time. (laughs) And the other one was, you need to decolonize your your conception of what the word good means. (laughs) Yeah. And it was great because the comments were filled with people of color just being, like, Oh no, a wrinkle in time. Like, uh, all these, like, just talking about all these movies that were, like, so important and they didn't feel like they could talk bad about it. I have a huge, okay, I have a huge disparity in how I judge queer movies and straight movies, but it's not in terms of plot. It's not in terms of character, um, which is why Happiest Season kind of failed my, my judgment in this case. It's in terms of production value. Um, and in terms of, of editing and things that cost a lot of money and that queer creators don't necessarily have the connections to. So something like, oh man, what a, oh, my, my brain is blanking entirely, but, oh, something like the watermelon woman, for instance, which is such a creative film and is 
incredible in terms of character development and in terms of farce and satire and creating an entire archive of fake history and all that kind of stuff, but was done on a shoestring budget. And you can tell, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. I don't care about the production value. I just care about how creative and exciting it is. Something like Happiest Season is like, oh, great. I don't have to grade on that curve anymore because they have the money. They have <laughs> they have whatever they need to make this look really good. And it is ultra accessible to people in terms of how they're going to be able to see it. So all that is out the window. But the character is just not there. And I feel like that's something, you know, this is not a radical thought. That's something that happens when you get higher and higher in terms of how marketable something is. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. There are so many movies that disprove me, but I I think that mediocrity is, it's sad because it's like, dang, look at the creators who did so much without that budget. And now this is what I have to see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, look, when you you get to that level of money, no matter who you are, you have to start sanding down the edges and they just sanded this thing into a fucking sphere and rolled it into the gutter and it like hit a pin and it fell over like accidentally and in league play maybe it wouldn't count but i'm just here like well at least i got to see a pin fall down yep all right uh, i gotta go sell some whiskey to someone <laughs> like again it feels weird because like i came into this being like yeah it was fine and like i've done nothing but shit talk it the entire time except when talking about dan levy Levy. 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 I'm sorry. I can't. There's, I'm like, this is the simplest name that I've ever fucked up the most amount of times. It's because Bill keeps saying it. Bill, it's your fault. (laughs) Do I say Levy? You keep saying Levy. Levy. As soon as whoever needs to watch Schitt's Creek watches Schitt's Creek, it'll just be David Rose. (laughs) David. So you can avoid that altogether. Yeah. But um yeah, I just cuz I again, I I just I had so much less riding on this movie and I just was like, oh yeah, this is just another crappy Christmas movie. But like I I the more that we've talked about it, not that like I had a super high opinion and not that like I hate it with the core of me, but I feel like now it's dropped to like a C minus. And and yet I still want there to be more tries. I don't want this to mean that suddenly we don't want lesbian directors to make holiday movies. I want them to be better and I want them to keep happening. And you know what? I'll keep taking mediocre ones until it gets to a really good one. I'm not sitting over here being like, oh, if only Brett Ratner had had his hands on this. Like, you know, this is. uh, Yeah, you know, I'm just. What a pull. I couldn't. I was trying to think of like a a guy that I'd never want to see direct another movie. Sure. Um. (laughs) You really, you thought of the one. Yeah. Or one of the many, I should say. Like, I just, yeah. Like, even Michael Bay is interesting sometimes. And honestly, if you told me that Michael Bay was directing, like, a Christmas farce about, like, a lesbian couple. Sign me up. Yeah, I'm I'm all over that. That would be insane. But, like, Brett Ratner, I'd be like, oh, that's just probably going to be boring. (laughs) But it is, yeah, I don't know. I was, like, disappointed, but I laughed, like, six times, and that was enough for me. Good, good production value. Some really good costume choices, except for that gosh darn wig. Uh, you knew who the family was right away. Mm-hmm. As soon as you st- saw that house and stepped inside, you're like, okay, this cements who they are. Amazing. 
and some just... I thought some great performances mm-hmm. and just a mismatch of genre and and tone. Absolutely. Um, if you know, we we should all just like uh, not release this episode. And what we should do is instead get together on a Zoom call and rewrite the movie. And then uh, just remake it ourselves. Because I think we had some really good ideas here, guys. Let's go. I'm ready. Oh, boy. Eight crazy nights. Let's go. Craziest night. <laughs> Happiest, the craziest nights. Yeah, I guess. No, eight. We're doing a Hanukkah movie now. Yeah, no, we have to. We can't, we can't yeah. make it the same one. So just like they used to make movies for uh, white people and African-Americans, now we're just going to do this movie but for jewish people the the littlest dreidel i, I don't know <laughs> the littlest dreidel. that sounds like a children book like that i would see and just be like okay you got me because now i need to know what the conflict is <laughs> it's like a dreidel that was made by a child and it was too small so they it didn't use it small. and then it, it fell on the ground but it got a, like found by a family of jewish mice and now oh. it's happy again i have a book for you which is the latka that wouldn't stop screaming <laughs> I have a question. This is a real one. This is a real one. I don't like that title. Oh, it's great. (laughs) That sounds like an H.P. Lovecraft story. It's it's much better. It's much better. Less racist, hopefully. Um, I think less. Yes, definitely less. It would hard to be more. I um I was I I listened to an episode of a podcast called Wizard and the Bruiser about H.P. Lovecraft, and it made me think of our Color Out of Space episode. When it was just like, you know, do we have to like talk about how racist H.P. Lovecraft was? And I'm like, yes, because it's like so racist that most white people didn't even make the cut. <laughs> yeah. Like the kind of old school, early 20th century racism that like just doesn't even exist anymore. And then we got Lovecraft Country, which yeah. is a big old middle finger to Lovecraft, but also, you know, celebrating his actual uh contributions yeah no you can he can be both things and he was a horrifying racist how did we get on lovecraft oh right because the locker that wouldn't stop screaming uh which i will be amazon looking at very soon yeah check out that indie bound and and you'll see you'll see this is the story you wanted your whole life and you never knew you needed awesome I just want to point out our 15 minute episode is now two hours and eight minutes. <laughs> well, so because my thing was, again, I thought it would just be like, yeah, it was fine. And then I would just like shut up because people would like it and I would just like not have any idea what was going on. So I'm glad to know because I have literally walked in here being like, this is it. This is another one of those episodes where I'm the only person who didn't like the thing. And I just don't want to come off as like being aggressively unhappy about it. But I'm I'm super glad that I actually was somehow one of the more positive people. <laughs> Yeah. But also I sound like I'm just as negative as the rest of you. I don't know. Like I'd still tell people that you could check it out if you're interested in it, but like it's it's not a bigger important movie and you're probably going to hate the ending. I don't know. I would say watch it so we get more lesbian holiday movies. Yes, watch it's important it to support it. In the background. Yeah. If you don't if you don't want to actually watch it, put it on and go make yourself some latkes and come back and like, oh, ha, 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 it looks so fun. And then don't pay attention to what's happening. I do. I do want to see Kristen Stewart in more like comedies like this. I think she's she's 
She's yes, got a very Tommy. downbeat comedic energy in this that suits it really well. Definitely. That was in Charlie's Angels too, which is has its own bag of worms. But yeah, she what? has great comic timing in that too. Can, can, of, worms. can of worms? Oh shoot! It's someone else said that. No, I said it. <sighs> bag of worms. So so, so many. Worms. on bag of worms we go out um that's our <laughs> thoughts on happiest season if you have thoughts of your own uh if you would like to drag us into your own discourse go to uh twitter at film stage show facebook the film stage or email us podcast filmstage.com i'm gonna do this more often where i just meet social media blackout so i don't have any idea what's going on because uh it was fun to discover the uh the conversations that were going on and not be exhausted by them already I mean, I have an addiction, so I'm, I'm offended by that suggestion, but uh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you, this is it, Michael. You go in, you dig through the dirt, and you bring the dirt to me, and then you say, Brian, check out this dirt, and we do it live on air, and it'll, uh, it'll make for crackling radio. And sometimes the dirt has worms already in it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then you put those worms in your bag. It's a can. It's a can. No, you said you had a bag of worms. <laughs> Uh, Michael and his worm sack. Um, so that's it. Uh, no, Jesus mm, mm, no, okay, mm, you know what? Mm, mm. I am sick and tired of people automatically assuming that the word sack has some sort of weird, dirty connotation. No! It's not that it has... No, just move on. Move on. <laughs> you're, you're, never mind. I'm not. It's over. Um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we've talked about this movie. It's on Hulu now if you want to check it out. Uh, go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. And of course, don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Uh, so you can check out all the stuff they've got streaming right now. Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? Is Mank next week? Oh my God. Every, every You know I'm going to ask you this <laughs> at the end of every episode. <laughs> I think it's Mank. I think I it's, it. Mank. it's Mank. It's Mank. It's Mank. Thank Netflix. you, Bill. It's Mank. We will and be we talking got about and metal, and then small axe films, uh, and then perhaps Soul on. Uh, so there's Christmas. there may be a mix up, not a mix up, but a shuffling after Mank. There may be Tenet. Yeah. There may be Small Axe. Also, um, there may be Soul at a certain point. We are up in the air. We might have to do that thing where we try to shove a couple extra ones in there. I want to do Wolfwalkers too. Oh, and that's Ammonite. The, that, the fuck is that coming out? I mean, it already out. came out, but when it's is out. it actually coming out? Well, yeah, exactly. I actually, no. It, it might be one of those January releases. Actually, I'm not sure when that's coming out. Okay. Someone's car is everybody okay? Into? Did someone? <laughs> did someone get broken into? Oh, that's me. <laughs> not not broken into, but down the street somewhere. I shouldn't oh, say okay. that. I definitely don't have an alarm in my apartment. So well, it's you. <laughs> I feel like that would be worse than than like if you had an alarm and you heard it going off is if you didn't know you had an alarm and you heard it going off. Well, um, I guess my mic is really good. Yeah. Wow. It's just picking it up. Four blocks away. Um, so we're talking yes. about Mank. Then we're it's talking about... It's not Thanksgiving now, unfortunately. It's not Thanksgiving. Well, I do want to point out that I told everyone on Twitter like three months ago that I would only refer to that movie as The Mank. I I don't get it, but I don't know. I just like I hate that title so much. (laughs) Is it better or worse than Happiest Season? 
Honestly, I think it's worse. Okay. Ooh, good. Holy shit, it's playing near me. What the fuck? Mank is playing near you? The Mank? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get sick from Mank. <laughs> I know, I'm just Mank I'm just isn't surprised. worth it. <laughs> that also sounds like a, a thickness of some kind. I'm sorry, we need to get out of here. I keep dragging this out. What if we started calling COVID Mank? <laughs> no, no. Ugh. I, anyway. Mank stank. <gasps> oh, I hope I don't like Mank. <laughs> On a, if if you need a if you need a reason to join our Patreon uh, on our Slack channel once I did like an entire sentence of nothing but mank and words that rhyme with mank. Oh my okay. god! It was so, horrifying. So, so speaking of things that we were coming up on, um, I I thought this was a joke. I saw someone comment on this on Facebook, but uh, did y'all know that Reznor and Ross did the score for Soul? Yes. I watched it the other day. Oh, oh my shit. god, I did not know that. That makes a lot of sense. I saw Soul the other day too, Michael. Are we supposed to say that for? I we can say we saw it. I think. Right. I don't think yes. we can say what we thought of it. So as soon Wait, as we're done what? recording, what do you mean what? Did did I get an invite to this? I don't know. Talk to your Maybe. critics group. <laughs> oh, okay. Alright. I was like, is is this for the podcast or is this for something else? No, it's <laughs> awards consideration. That's right, ladies okay. and gentlemen. It's screener season. And yeah. we're going to talk about our privilege. <laughs> Are y'all getting physical screeners right now? Because I I've have only gotten physical basically... screeners from Netflix, which annoys yes. the shit out of me. Because I already have that subscription. And guess yeah. what wasn't in there? Mank. Like, it was only yeah. stuff that had already been released. I was... That's what a waste. Um, I got a gigantic book related to something called Over the Moon, which I don't know what that is. So I don't know if y'all had heard this. This may be more unsubstantiated rumors, but from what I understand, most of DVD production and disc production is now overseas. And because of COVID and everything going on with that, uh, there's a real kind of uh, uh, pinch on DVD production. And so a lot of the movie studios are just saying, fuck it and doing online screeners so is that what why? a time well i look forward to not watching any of those movies uh it is 10 20 we yes. need to get out of here this, this um, too- <laughs> um so that's it so that's all we're done um let's uh let's tell oh, the fine God. people at home where we can be found between now and the next time we begin as always with our guest <laughs> oh oh with me oh yes uh yeah just uh plug <laughs> wow. your twitter plug your spaces do whatever yes. you want. Okay, so uh, you can find me both on Instagram and Twitter, but on Instagram, oh man, my uh, my handle name is Bernadette Teeters, uh, like Bernadette Peters, but T-E-E-T-E-R-S, and then on Twitter, it's Bernie Teeters. I was wondering what the joke was. <laughs> that that is a that is a stage name. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So you'll find lots of stuff if you follow me. Completely <laughs> unexpected and unrelated to movies, but that's the best kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Every time I plug my Instagram, I'm like, "There's nothing about movies. It's almost exclusively pictures of my distillery, my dog, and my child." <laughs> if you if you follow me, you'll find a lot about Cheryl Dunye, Jenny Olsen, um, some about Celine Sciamma, uh, Jamie Babbitt. Basically, if if you like lesbian movies, please follow me. All right. Bill Graham. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Uh, always trying to post cute puppy pictures there. So, All right. Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Snydell. I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, we are continuing to do Cinephile uh, game nights. Anyone is welcome. Just DM me. My DMs are open uh, for some reason. Uh, what, what else? Oh, I did want to say, you know, I feel like I've been hating on um, all, all of everything today. I will say uh, the half of it, which is actually from the director of Saving Face that we mentioned earlier, is a, uh, a very cute uh, queer uh, YA uh, rom-com from earlier this year that's on Netflix that uh, I quite liked. Um, and I would suggest that personally instead of uh happiest season even though they're about totally different things <laughs> i concur um and i will uh, i will say that uh, rather than watch happiest season uh you should just watch crawl which is only connected insofar as both are on hulu <laughs> and but they are about comparable length in fact crawl might be a little shorter and thus better <laughs> that crocodile is nicer than the family in happiest season right i would rather I, see Kristen stewart that. with the crocodile with the the alligator it's an alligator michael then <laughs> anyway um, oh my god watch shiva baby when it comes out too if you suffered through this watch shiva baby i, I want to see it i don't know when that's coming out i don't know either I don't know when anything's coming out anymore. The uh, my brain is fried from the pandemic. Um, what was, oh yeah, I still have to do my plugs. Uh, you can find me on all the social media sites at Brian J Rowan. Uh, my daughter and I made homemade pizza this weekend, so that's on Instagram. If that's an enticement to you, um, how did as, it go? It went really well, actually. I got so I got a stand mixer as an early Christmas present from my mother and my sister, and Ooh. man, I have been baking up a fucking storm. Stand mixer, which which did you did you? I got end the uh, three point five quarts KitchenAid artisan KitchenAid baby. Yeah, with the bread oh, hook, the whisk, and the beater. And um, oh man, I made a I made a semolina bread that made my oh. you know quarter Italian heart sing. Um, there you so go. That's my the song that I chose to be our outro music is rapidly coming to a close. All that's happening on uh, at BrianJerome.com, and of course. You can find every episode of this uh, podcast as well as some of my writing at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Join us next week when we will be talking about Mike. The Mike. Only-